Welcome to The Untrue Show, a personal journal covering pop culture, relationships, millennial life, and career from an untrue point of view, hosted by me, Dana Jones. I am so excited to be back. I got my new podcast mic, and I'm ready to roll. My old one broke, and I think I'm okay with that now, because it was kind of like a starter microphone, and my new microphone is like a serious podcaster microphone it's very big it's a little bit heavier it's a blue yeti i saw a lot of really great recommendations for it but i'm gonna have to get used to handling it because like i said it's very large it looks kind of like a uh a, a real microphone <laughs> i guess if i was in like old school rate old school radio that's what it would look like or that's how i would describe it but Welcome back, and I'm so excited that I'm able to resume podcasting and that everything's working fine. And I don't know, I just feel like podcasting has brought me so much joy professionally, personally, um, creatively. It's just been a, it's been really fun, and I'm glad that um, I have listeners who keep coming back and new listeners if you're new here today. So it's, I'm actually going to talk about the Taylor Swift documentary called Miss America Kana that is on Netflix. And I watched it, have thoughts on it, and I thought it would be great to share them with you guys. The first and foremost thing that I noticed is how Taylor Swift is so self-aware and very sure of her unique value add to the world, to businesses, um, it's professionally and her unique value add is that she is a songwriter and that's her gift and that's how she's been able to make it so far in the industry writing songs not just being a singer or an artist or a guitar player she is a songwriter uh, I saw that she just signed a new songwriting deal maybe two weeks ago so again she knows her unique value add and what she brings to the table and that's it uh, another thing that I noticed about our show is the un- interior design. So if you look at the inside of her house, it reminds me a lot of an antique store slash Disney Channel show. I don't know if you guys ever saw Good Luck Charlie or if you've seen Raven's Home. It's very eclectically, if that's a word, <laughs> I'm going to make it one. It's very eclectively designed on the inside. And I think Taylor Swift's home reminds me a lot of those things. And it also reminds me of, like Golden Girls and a millennial cat lady because she has a lot of cats and stuff. And she even has like this cat ring. Um, she's a big cat person. I think her cat's name is like Meredith Gray. Yeah, so big cat lady. If you watch it, make sure to pay attention to the very colorful, very busyness of her home. I want to say it's in Nashville, so just check it out as you watch. Another thing is her I mean of course she addresses everything that happened at the VMAs when she won and Kanye jumped on the stage it was just this big pop culture moment for that year and even from since then people still talk about it and they bring it up just like she brought up in the documentary and I think that one of the things she said that she learned in that moment was how she was so used to getting affirmation and getting people to applaud her and getting people to clap for her that when that moment happened she thought that people were booing her because people did boo but they were booing his actions they weren't booing what she did on the stage they weren't booing the fact that she won but when you're up there and you can't see people and you don't know their motives you just assume like oh my gosh they hate me these are all my peers this sucks and that's kind of what happened to her is it felt like oh my gosh my peers hate me this sucks I don't know what to do and so it just made her feel some kind of way like psychologically um you know in terms of her level of success that she reached she started feeling like 
there's got to be more to life than just this. In fact, there was a couple couple poignant moments throughout the documentary that she talked about. One was when her mom got cancer. She was like, does it really matter if everybody on the internet is talking about you if your mom is sick from chemo? And I thought about that as just how much weight we put into our professional success and how it can really weigh us down mentally, weigh us down emotionally, drain us, and just really rob us of joy when there's so many more important things to be attentive to in our lives, especially her relationship with her mom and her mom's illness and like being there for her as opposed to being so stressed about all the things that people are saying about you online. And she won album of the year at the Grammys two times. And that was another moment where she was like, is this it? Because this is all I ever wanted, but it doesn't really feel that way. That great. Um, And I've kind of thought about the Billie Eilish song where she's, it's called everything I wanted. And it's like, I had a dream that I got everything I wanted and it was really just a nightmare because sometimes we just work so hard for something, but it doesn't make us complete. It doesn't make us whole. It doesn't make us a hundred percent happy. So really exploring the whys of that, like why is this not making me as happy as I thought it would? And then understanding that, that your happiness can't be wrapped up in one specific thing in your life. So dialing it back a little bit there. Uh, Another thing that I noticed what she said about that was, She's so used to getting up and having people clap for her and cheer for her. Sometimes it's hard to have people be critical. There was a time where I hate Taylor Swift was trending on Twitter and she was saying that, do you know how many people have to be tweeting something for it to be trending? So that many people are tweeting that they hate me or dislike me or don't want me in this world and it's trending because of that. And she put up a lot of headlines and she put up different tweets that people wrote about her just to say, you know, a lot of times celebrities come into the industry and they stay the age that they were when they started. And she's like, if I came in at 14, I had a lot of self-work to do to get to 29, which was what she was at the time of the recording of the documentary. She's 30 now. I know she's a, I think she's a Capricorn and she turned 30 in December. She might be a Sagittarius. I didn't look that one up. (laughs) But anyway, she turned 30 in December night. Uh, 2019 almost wanted to say 1999 not right but turned 30 in December 2019 and just saying the amount of self-work she had to do to get from the thwarted age that she was at a 14 all the way to 29 was a lot and it took a lot of energy it took a lot of growth and it took a lot of self-reflection to be like okay I can I'm better than this and this doesn't validate my being to be celebrated so I really appreciate that and I also really enjoy the fact that she the documentary actually opens in a moment where her publicist or someone from her team is telling her about the Grammy nominations and about how Reputation didn't receive very many Grammy nominations. And Taylor's reaction was, I'll just make a better album next time. I really appreciate that because she was humble enough not to be like, well, I'm entitled to a Grammy nomination. Not necessarily. Or she didn't say, like, I deserve one. She didn't cry. She didn't pitch a fit. She just said, I'll just do better next time and kept it rolling. And her her latest album, Lover, has come out since Reputation. I don't think it got as many Grammy nominations either, but ultimately it's a pretty decent album and it shows growth from who she was at Reputation to who she is now because Reputation was all about everybody talking about her and the reaction to that and I think that lover is not quite in the same tone it's about just being loved and being soft and being feminine at least that's the vibe I get when I listen to it I also think that 
lover talks a little bit more deeply about some of the experience she's gone through as a woman in the business business industry because there's a song on there called the man where it talks about oh if i was a man things would be so different kind of reminds me a lot of if i were a boy but a little bit more applied to professional uh dynamics just because there are dynamics that we have to endure as women working in predominantly male spaces or really in spaces or just existing and being as a woman just because we're always going to be faced with men (laughs) another thing about the documentary that really stood out to me was the fact that taylor took a political stance she's never really been an artist that talked about who she votes for and in fact in the documentary they went through lots of her previous interviews and showed her literally saying people just want me to shut up and sing people don't want me to say who i'm voting for so i thought i shouldn't say those things and Throughout the documentary, she definitely changes course because she ends up endorsing a Democrat in her nation. I mean, not her nation, in her city or state of Tennessee. So she endorses this Democrat because she feels like the Republican candidate running against a Democrat is for a lot of things and for a lot of laws that are harmful to women. I don't know if you guys know this, but Taylor Swift had a big lawsuit for being groped. And one of the things that she noticed about the Republican running against the candidate she rooted for was that she was for laws that would essentially keep women from speaking out and kind of penalize them from speaking out and not really support them if they did speak out. So she told her fans and she put out a big announcement on Instagram encouraging them to not vote for this particular candidate. And in the maybe couple hours after that, over the weekend, there was a big uptick in voter registrations. A lot of people gave her the credit for that which I think is really interesting. So telling her that she is the one who made it happen, giving her the credit for it, and just recognizing that she has a lot of influence over people in general. She has a lot of fans and she has a lot of people who are watching her every move, even if they're hating on her every move. So that kind of goes to show just the overall influence of who she is and every move that she makes. Another thing that they talked about was how Polaroids, the popularity of them boomed, since the cover of 1999, which was a Polaroid. And if you think about it, for us kids, 80s babies, Polaroids are, you know, they were a part of our lives. Whereas the kids born after us, she's born in the later 80s, and maybe the kids that are her target audience were not as familiar with the power of Polaroids and the impact of Polaroids and having Polaroid cameras in their house. It was just such a big thing where I remember when they came out with that outcast song, shake it like a Polaroid picture, how Polaroid was like, don't shake the Polaroids. But we always shook the Polaroids when they came out at the camera. So just because we thought it would make them develop faster and Polaroids are just such a big deal. But the fact that she really helped them boom in popularity in the two the 2010s just because of her album colors cover shows the significance of her influence on the market and whatever she does and how people want to follow behind it another thing was she pulled her music off of apple music because apple wouldn't pay artists when people were going through the free trials so the fact that she did these things i know she pulled her music off spotify and protest as well the fans got really upset Spotify begged her to come back but this kind of goes to show you when she does things it changes and I know that I think Apple now pays their artists whenever you stream them in that three-month trial as opposed to not paying them and 
just looking at overall her presence in the music industry, if you think about it, not a lot of people were taking bets on 14, 15, 16 year old girls who were writing their own songs back then, whereas now artists are coming out and it's almost essential that you write your own song and maintain your own voice in the space. And it gives you a leg up because think about how many artists can't write. Writing is not easy. I remember watching an interview with Aaliyah before she passed away. And that was one thing she said. She's like, I'm a storyteller. I'm not a story writer. And that's fine. And I, I just don't think that sustainable careers are built around artists who can't write. And if you think about it, Aaliyah had a lot of talent and Aaliyah did a lot of things. And she also was an actress and she was a great performer, but she just admitted like songwriting is not my thing. And I think that that's fine. I'm also noticing how many artists write as a way to express themselves and kind of get away from the cookie cutter or the image or the songs that a label trying to force on them. I was reading Jessica Simpson's memoir and one thing she mentioned in the book was how she decided to write for her third album just because the first two albums weren't really exactly what she wanted to say and how they were kind of styling her up to be the anti-Britney and Christina, asking her to lose weight, making her wear crop tops and she just wasn't fitting in with that image. But I'll never forget that her third album when it came out, um, the most memorable song for me was With You and she actually wrote that song about Nick And how he just loved her for who she was. And I always feel like that's my most favorite Jessica Simpson song. Just because it's so bubbly. It's so simple. It's tied directly into the show and who she is. And it was her own voice. So I think that there's power in owning and telling your own story. Versus letting someone else write it for you. And on your behalf. And I think that goes back to Taylor Swift's unique value ad. Her unique value ad is being a songwriter. She knows that, she understands that, she leverages it, and that's what her passion is, writing her own songs, owning her own voice. So I think if you haven't watched Miss Americana, I would highly encourage you to do it. I think I have two sides to this. So there's people out there who just are not Taylor Swift fans. I was talking to a friend, and she was like, I'm just not a Taylor Swift fan. I totally respect and understand that, but if you're a businesswoman, if you're a person looking for like a coming-of-age story, I think it's it resonates in those ways just because we are all evolving and it shows the evolution of a person over a couple of years because it wasn't just filmed in a couple months. It, you know, covers a lot of her early career. It covers her trajectory. It covers her current state. So there's a lot of layers to it. And I think that someone who's even a non-fan could learn a lot from it. For me as a fan, I there are a couple songs I hadn't really listened to of hers so I went back and looked them up uh I sound hounded them a couple of them throughout the documentary I ended up going to her essentials playlist on um Apple Music just because there's a couple songs in there that I missed I mean of course the mainstream very commercial stuff I got into and like I said Reputation is one of the ones that I've really liked that album. So I always go back to that. And I bought a couple copies. And then 1989 is, you know, one that I like as well. I haven't fully, fully dug into Lover. But after watching the documentary, I did go back and get into it and listen to it a little bit more, especially some of those songs that I missed. Because some of the, I think the first single that came out, I wasn't as into it. But then as I heard Lover and I heard um, The Man, I really got into those. And I realized this is a really cool album. There's a there's one song on there where she's a saxophone and it was very, very stripped down. I wouldn't say it's shake it off. It's totally different. And I really like it being different than everything else that she's done. And 
that's one thing she said throughout the documentary is that there's only so many times you can reinvent yourself. And she said, I might be coming to the threshold of the, the, of how many times I can do that. So I'm just going to ride this wave and see where it goes. But there's just only so many chances you get to get this right. So I thought that was really interesting just because she sees the, the lifespan of a woman doing music or pop music is a little bit more limited than it is for a man, which is really unfortunate. Um, and hopefully that changes in the future, but kind of right now, that's just the way things are. Uh, and you know, you never know, maybe in the next couple of years, it'll be totally different. I, I, I listened to the Archer for the first time and it was really, really good. I didn't, like I said, I need to get more into this album and give it a little bit more time that I didn't give it before. But I thoroughly have enjoyed the songs that I have been able to get into. False God was one I was like, oh, man, it's the one with the saxophone that I talked about. I really appreciated that one just because it's different and stripped down. And I'm in the saxophone phase. So I'm like really feeling Kenny G lately <laughs> and really thinking about I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Teen Witch. So there's a, a lot of saxophone instrumental instrumentation. Uh, in Teen Witch, and I've really been getting into that lately. So I would get excited when I've heard songs that just have a nice saxophone riff. This one uh, is one of those songs that has that nice saxophone riff, and then there's another song called The Way by Fantasia that also has this really great saxophone riff. I've been really feeling those songs and wishing for more sounds like that it's just something about the saxophone it's just it, it puts me in a mood like makes me feel away so <laughs> uh the other jazz artist that is on my saxophone list is Richard Elliott and he's the guy that did the music for Teen Witch which I always enjoy watching and the saxophones are definitely a big part of that the music all together in Teen Witch is a big part of that so I'd recommend checking him out on Apple Music the one song I really like of his is called In Your Arms and if you've seen Teen Witch it's the scene where uh the main character and the guy are like they go to like a deserted house They take a boat. It's all romantic and cheesy and they have their first kiss in this house. So yeah, check it out. If you're into that song, if you're into Teen Witch as well, if you've never seen Teen Witch, you should see that for sure. Uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I, like I said, really appreciated learning more about Taylor Swift, getting the inside look, seeing inside her home, seeing a more stripped down view of her because we're so used to this, this, like she said, putting on a show where she's getting the applause. And this was a, a deeper look at who she is and what she does and why she does it and what she's good at. Uh, and I liked it a lot. So check it out. And thank you so much for listening this week. I really appreciate it. And I hope you check out a couple other episodes. And if you love my podcast, please give me a rating. That would be awesome. If you'd like to find me other places, I am thegreatdanaj.com, thegreatdanaj on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah, hope we can connect there. If you have any feedback that you'd like to email me, it's thegreatdanaj at gmail.com or dana at thegreatdanaj.com. All these places you can reach me if you want to talk. <laughs> anyway. Thanks for checking it out this episode. I'm so glad to be back. I got my new mic. Couple technical things I'm working out, but we're going to be back and better than ever in the next episode. And stay tuned. Can't wait. Bye.